Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm on this week with Pistol. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well, thank you. Unfortunately, though, Chizo can't join us as he prepares for a cyclone, so that's uh, some excitement for him. Yes, yeah, just every day living in Queensland for, for Chizo, just preparing constantly for cyclones. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm going to start the podcast off with a bit of a serious chat. Um, don't, don't skip, please. Uh, it's only a little bit serious. We're going to talk about Patreon. So if for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's essentially a website formed to be able to help creators and, and people who offer a service like we do at Dr. Supercoach, being Supercoach Advice, podcasts, live schools, etc. Um, it's, it's created to help them... Uh, with the with the financial sides of running a website uh, page and and all the rest of it, so um, essentially it's I mean pistol is the right word sponsoring. Where, where am I going with this? I think this? supporting is probably the right supporting. word. Supporting supporting is definitely the best word. So it's all about supporting people who who do what we do. So um, essentially, I'm going to introduce to you what we're going to be doing with Patreon this year, and I've spoken about it previously on on podcast and the last year and. Etc. So, firstly, I think we're going to offer three tiers uh, for the actual Patreon, and I'd like to stress that anything that we offered prior to the Patreon coming into play, any podcast, any article, any live scores, any advice, anything via email, ev- everything that we offered prior to Patreon will still be 100% free. We would never, ever mess with what we've already got going with the community. We love what we offer um, we're happy to provide it at any time and, and forever. So just so everyone's everyone knows, we're not going to start monetizing podcasts and, and charging for them. That stuff will all stay free. So now that we've got that, that out of the way, um, we're going to offer three tiers basically um, as a monthly package. Uh, firstly, we'll be offering a $1.99 tier, which will essentially just help you help us um, continue the, the podcast and the page. It's $1.99 per month. You get a shout out on the podcast for your help. Um, we'll obviously thank you for that. And and that's essentially just like Pistol just said earlier, that's just a supporting uh, tier. The next tier we have will be $4.99 and you get the same thing as the first tier. You get that shout out on the podcast for helping us out. You also get uh, access to a Slack channel. Now, uh, Slack is sort of hard to explain, but essentially, in essence, it's a a big forum that we'll be adding everyone into once they jump onto the the four ninety nine per month uh, tier. And it's will be me, Pistol, Chizo, any podcaster that you would listen to during the year will be involved in the in the Slack channel. You can ask us advice anytime. Uh, any day, uh, personally, you can PM people, uh, private message people. Uh, you'll be amongst all the community as well, so you can discuss all your ideas with them. Uh, you can do polls. You can do almost anything that you would want to do or talk about or be involved in with fantasy football will be in that Slack channel, and it'll just be a big, banterful mess of people talking super coach. So enthusiasts like yourself listening to the podcast or me, Pistol, Chizo talking on the podcast will all be involved uh, just chatting about super coach. So I think that's a great opportunity to just better your your rank, better your understanding of the game and, and really just you know chat with the community and the podcasters. The final tier that we'll be offering will be $7.99. It will include the shout out on the podcast as well. 
It will include the Slack channel access and it will also have uh, prize leagues in there as well. So uh, Pistol and I and Chizo need to all discuss what exactly we'll be offering as prizes, but it will be football related. It'll be something worth your time, worth your money, uh, worth your investment. Uh, we really want to give back for you helping us. Um, obviously, the $7.99 would, you know, it goes such a long way in improving the website and it, just the podcast and everything. Uh, we really want to invest what we get back into it. I think um, I, I think that's the best way to explain it, Pistol. Do you have anything to add on there? Um, I think if you look at it as a dollar ninety nine uh, per month at, at the base tier, it's really we we get out about eight podcasts a month. So you know you're not paying much per podcast if you want to look at it that way. Um, just twenty five cents um, per per podcast, which uh, is not too much, um, but it'll definitely go a long way in helping uh, keep us growing, keep us getting better and supporting um, supporting us. And uh, JB, for those that don't actually know what Slack is properly, it's an app, right? Is it only accessible on the phone? It's computer accessible as well. Ah, well, there we go. I clearly don't know what Slack is. So uh, we'll all learn together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah, definitely accessible on the phone. I know a lot of people access it on their laptops and computers as well. Uh, just finally, I'd like to stress that um, we've now uh, gone over the, the $6,000 mark for what we've raised for Cancer Council. We'll still be very, very passionate in, in our raising money for charity, uh, for the Cancer Council. Uh, we'll be pushing Donate for Donuts like we never have before. And um, big shout out to Bryce Mitchell. I'm sure people who follow the page have seen the 2019 Team Picker is available uh, all it takes is one donation to charity. We'll be updating it for version two uh, shortly if it's not already out by the time the podcast is. And uh, we've raised over $1,000 for that in the last uh, since the last Friday. So it's almost been a week now. We've already raised $1,000 uh, for that specifically. So our passion for charity will not go astray. We'll still be pushing that really hard. This is simply like Pistol advised earlier, the, the word I'm looking for is uh, just... Actually, no, I've forgotten the word already, Pistol. What, what's <laughs> support, that, what JB, word again? support. Support, support. <laughs> that's all it is. Anyway, that was that was a mouthful. Uh, we'll get into the podcast now. And Pistol, I know you've got... You've got a massive, massive chip on your shoulder right now. And you've, you've advised me that you can't actually make your team with the team picker because you have no idea how defenders will be scored for 2019. So do you want to start us off with that? Well, yeah, talk about uh, ruining the introduction there. But um, basically, I am completely stuck because it doesn't quite make sense with the new rule change and the defenders about what's actually going to happen in terms of Supercoach scoring uh, in 2019. We can discuss this entire podcast as if there is no change of rule, and that will probably put my mind at ease. But at the moment, when you consider that the man on the mark has to be back you know, 20 or so metres... And you can play on without being able to, you know, tap it to your foot. You can just run in and boot it. And now that kick-ins are going to be worth um, the equivalent of a field kick, I believe, as well as a running bounce, because I assume most players are going to just take off. They're going to take a bounce and they're going to boot at 40 meters. You're potentially getting, you know, a couple points for a bounce, and then you're getting an effective kick, which is another handful of points. So you're getting these players that might take 10 kick-ins per match, and that's like an extra 50 points per match, where usually you're getting just a singular point for an effective kick-in. So what, are we going to see the Jake Lloyds of the world increase their average by like 40 points per game? I don't understand 
what they're going to do with the scoring system. Obviously, it can't work exactly like that. I don't know how it's going to work, and I can't really make my team until I know, because otherwise I'm picking six players taking all the kick-ins because they're all underpriced um, and building (laughs) my team that way. So I'm just going to assume for the remainder of this podcast that nothing has changed, and that's the only way we're going to be able to get through this, JB. It it honestly sounds like you haven't been able to sleep for, for days just thinking about this. I literally cannot sleep. It is uh, doing my head in. So, um, yes, let's let's well. actually get straight into the actual uh, players that we're talking about, the defenders. Um, I'm just just give me your your biggest defender lock, um, and we'll just go from there. This is difficult, and it it comes with a bit of sadness, pistol, because my biggest defender lock was going to be Sam Doherty. And, uh, well, he he was dubbed Sam Lockerty, but we're now at this point where we're going to be without Doherty again this season, so can he be my biggest 2020 lock? Or No. no we'll go, we'll go 20, 2019 lock. I think Zach Williams, for me, uh, has to be locked into every side. We saw what he did coming back from his, uh, his Achilles injury into the finals, straight into the action, and scoring tons just straight off the bat. He's obviously an elite player. Uh, in my opinion, he has the potential as much as anyone to go 100 plus in that defender line, and he's priced at 400k. I mean, it's probably fair enough. I mean, I don't have him in my current team, but uh, I can oh. definitely understand why you would Jeez. have him. <laughs> um, and your biggest lockdown pistol? Jeez. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably Jake Lloyd. Um, oh. I, I mean, he's he's not going to get much worse uh, from last year and he went 112 as a defender which is just absolutely insane um, I know I'm not bringing up the kick-in rule but surely all of that stuff isn't going to have a negative effect on Jake Lloyd um, he plays 22 games he's as fit as hell he's just a good pick I know he's expensive um, but he also has a really really high floor so he doesn't actually drop much in price like his variance just is very low. So you're either going to start him or you're going to have to fork out a lot throughout the year to actually afford him. So for me, it's just you pick him now and then you don't have to stress about it throughout the year when he ends up finishing as a number one defender in 2019. He, he's priced at just 10K less than Josh Kelly in the midfield and we're happy forking that out in defense. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 112 and is probably just going to get better as well. So... I don't see any reason as to why he wouldn't be, if not the first pick player in your back line, but first pick player in your entire team. Fair enough. <laughs> well, he wasn't the first pick player in my team because that was Zach Williams. <laughs> um, all right, well, we'll roll through some of the other defenders here. What are your thoughts on a player like Cade Simpson? I really I want to hone in on the interesting players because we know the James Sicilies and the Roy Lairds of the world are going to be amazing in 2019. Cade Simpson's a player that really tickles my fancy, being that he averaged 105. He was the fourth best defender last year, only missed one game for the whole season, and Doherty's not back this year. So is he likely to just do what Cade Simpson does and, and go big again, or are we finally going to see this man slow down? Look, I think he will be good again. Nick Newman's going to come in, but it's, how can we say really how it's going to affect Cade Simpson? I mean, it might. He might not go 105, but you know he's pretty much had a career around the 100 mark and he barely misses a game. He's extremely durable and I, I don't see why 
that's going to change um, going into next year. I know he's another year older and, you know, things happen, but you can pick a young bloke like James Sicily and he, he could miss six weeks um, with a fractured wrist. Who, who knows what's going to happen? And he's <laughs> definitely going to be a big POD. I know we did skip over Sicily. He's also probably going to be a big POD, um, I think, just because he does miss games as well. And um, both of them equally are capable of going 100 plus uh, next season. Yeah, I've got Sicily in my first team here. My, my backline's actually uh, entirely uh, orange, <laughs> except for Jake Lloyd. I've got uh, Sicily, Whitfield, Williams, Birchall, and we'll talk about a couple of those later. But um, let's get into Lockie Whitfield. With Dylan Shield leaving the club, is there any reason Whitfield won't get more wing-slash-midfield time and, and just absolutely explode next year? I think this is a sort of rare occasion where a defender is, is not going to be a defender at all. And we might be able to get a cheeky midfielder in that defender spot for just 12 months on the loan. I'm not, I'm not, I know people are very high on him taking the midfield slot, but I really do think that it's going to be Hopper and Taranto's time to shine. I think Whitfield, he, he will get runs on the wing, but he was so damaging off that half back line. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he splits that time more than people are expecting. And he still plays a lot behind the ball. Um, as will Zach Williams. So I don't really know what his ceiling is going to be. I know he's capable of those big scores, but at the same time, there's for me, there's some uncertainty there. Um, even though I can see online, everyone's calling him the safest pick of your back line. And that might just be because people have some sort of bias when a midfielder, a high-scoring midfielder, becomes a defender. Um, they automatically think that they are, therefore, a really good pick. And you know, granted, he did score the fifth highest uh, average last year as a defender. Um, but that doesn't mean he's the best value pick going into the next season. Um, I do think he will be a top defender and he will round out the rest of your team. I just don't know exactly if he's the best person to start with. To be fair, a lot of people are calling him safe because worst case scenario for Whitfield is he plays the exact same role. And like you said, he was the uh, the fifth highest averaging defender from uh, like from the defenders selectable this year he was he's fifth on the average list and if he plays that exact same role you just expect him with his age to either slightly improve or at the very least stagnate on that average and that puts him in a very good spot still so I think he's a very safe pick and, and best case scenario he gets a chunk of midfield time as well and improves on that average so I think that's where a lot of people are coming from there yeah he's he's definitely a safe pick um I will it doesn't mean he's the best pick, but he's definitely a safe pick. Okay, so your thoughts on the next player. Shannon Hearn, <laughs> I know uh, you said a word or two uh, to me in uh, prior to the podcast saying that he will be the number one defender and he's an absolute lock in your side. <laughs> would you like to uh, try to divulge into that a bit more? Uh, wasn't my words exactly, but I'm very high on Shannon Hearn, but that was mostly for that kick-in rule because it does affect him massively in a positive way. He already played 22 games and averaged 96 um, Hearn has a tendency, though, to randomly drop off. He has done in his uh, past history. But I'm, I'm going to not maybe talk about this until we get confirmation about how the, the kick-ins and scoring will work because, obviously, if he's getting an extra 10 kick-ins per game, he's going to be uh, one of the biggest beneficiaries, if not the biggest, of that rule change. So um, maybe we'll discuss that in the, the preseason. Fair enough. Very safe of you. Now, I sort of want to hone in on a few players that are not as at surprising price points, but 
you know, maybe value price points. Now, you can pull me back if I've skipped someone on the list, uh, Pistol, but the first one I'm looking at here is Connor Blakely. Uh, plays well off that halfback flank and also plays well in the midfield when he flashes through there. Only an 85 average last year and uh, a couple of injury-affected games as well. 13 matches played for the season, comes in at 460k. This is someone that I've, I've really looked at straight off the bat as a make-or-break sort player. Like If if he comes out the blocks averaging 100+, plus, he'll be someone that people need in their teams. And if you start with him at 460k, then you could be ahead of the curve already. Well, do you remember when he played in the midfield and he averaged, I think it was 107 over like the last 12 games of the season two years ago? Um, I think with Lockie Neal leaving, they've already said that he is going to be the man that's thrown back in the midfield. So if you can get him to go anywhere near 107 like he's done before... Um, granted it was a smaller sample size, then he's definitely going to be value. And he's priced at 85, and I really can't see him going anywhere below 90 next year. So uh, for me, I think he's a really good value pick. Yep, and and someone that, at the very least, you will not lose your money on and eventually will we'll have to, if you need to, side-swap him out. Now, would you like to find the next sort of gem? I'm floating through the uh, the players here, just seeing what catches my eye. Have you got anyone that catches your eye, Pistol? Because I've gone quite a way here. Uh, yeah, a pair of Brisbane defenders. Uh, Harris Andrews at 480 is obviously underpriced because of that uh, horrific injury he suffered last year, and he got KO'd right at the beginning of the match as well. So it's a little bit underpriced. Um, I also note uh, Witherden, who you feel like he could be the next, like, I guess, super primo defender. He's just like, he's so young, he's so talented, he's running off that half-back, he's got a great kick on him. He He's bound to join those elite ranks at some stage. Um, I don't know if it will be this year, but I, I'm hoping it will be. And again, he's another one that will be affected by the rule change, and um, that could, you know, just catapult him into those, those top six defenders. But um, maybe it's a, a bit too risky at this point in time until we know more information. Uh, other than that, there's a couple of uh, players that ended the season well. Um, we should talk about both Wayne Malera and Bailey Williams. Yeah, I mean, both players, like you said, ended the season really well. I, myself, unfortunately, you'd be able to actually answer your own question better than I would because I don't put a lot of extensive research into these players as... Uh, last season, obviously, I picked out Sicily as someone that was going to have a breakout year, and he, and he had a great year. But he his back-end scoring was exceptionally good. Like It was off the page. Like He'd either turn up or he had the occasional 60 where he went a bit crazy. But like you could tell he had premium written all over him. I think Malera and especially Bally Williams are just that little bit of tier below. I, I understand the smoky POD picks, and I understand if people fancy them, but... To me personally, they're just not the sort of players that I can actually see becoming full-fledged top six to eight defender premium type. So you you might think differently. So you're probably better off talking about it than I am. (laughs) I think both of them are a good chance, um, a very good chance to go 90 plus. But again, with these uh, backmen, I think you really want to target those that are going to go 95 plus, if not 100 plus. Um, Potentially this year is a year. There'll be at least six defenders that average 100 plus. So... Um, for me, they're, they're a little bit just they're not quite there. Um, they provide some value, but I don't think at the end of the day, when you've completed your team, you're going to want you know both of them at your D5 and D6 spot. So uh, for me, it's a pass, but if you're going to try and you know sneak someone in a draft league, 
they're definitely both of them I would I'd consider very strongly at taking you know mid 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 to late end of the draft yeah definitely and I'm gonna skip down quite a few players here and talk about my next one that caught my eye and that's someone who catches my eye every single year at a more enticing price point every single year I'm, I'm fairly sure everyone considered him for 400k a couple of years ago but Grant Birchall has missed another season of footy he comes in at 205k and that is rookie price. We know he can average 70, 80, 90 plus even in the past. I don't expect him to go near that that third one, 90 plus. But uh, scoring in the 80s is definitely in his in the realms of possibility. If he's looking likely to start the season, he has to be in everyone's team, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's someone that's always gone uh, between 85 and you know 90. Um, I don't see why he can't do that again. And only 205k. Uh, if he's in round one, then he's going to be in everyone's team round one. Um, I don't doubt that at all, like in the slightest. Um, JB, a couple of other players that you might want to consider is Nick Newman, uh, 394K. What do you think about him? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Uh, I think there was a, a page that released him at 294K uh, in the preseason, and I was all over that. I would start him in a heartbeat at 297 uh, but 397, I feel like that's just pushing it a little bit. I think it's it's just getting a little bit beyond the price range that I'd want to start someone like um, like Nick Newman because, in my opinion, he although he'll be a great scorer and we've seen in the past with Sydney he can put up some big scores. He's going to have a friendly role this year and playing with someone like Carlton, he's you know he only got 10 matches last year. I'd be surprised if he had less than 18, 19 for the next year, but. In my opinion, he just he won't have that consistency or that ability to average ninety plus like I'd want from a keeper. And it's it's like the Malira and Bailey Williams of the world. It's just someone that you don't want to be stuck with for the whole season because they're averaging, you know, eighty, eighty five, but you know, everyone else has a DA averaging you know, you said there's the potential for six players to average a hundred plus. If other people's DA it's averaging ninety, ninety five you're losing five to ten points each week, and you know that's just hard to make up in the grand scheme of things. So, for me, Nick Newman, I understand the punt, and I he's got great scoring pedigree. He's scored huge in the past, especially as a rookie. But for me, it's just not someone that I'd risk having a, a starting spot on at the very least. A worst case scenario, I'll pay four fifty, five hundred for him during the season if he proves me wrong. I mean, my D8 is Harry Weeks, so if you've got uh, somebody in that spot going 995, JV, you're doing pretty well. By um, the end of the season, I mean. <laughs> at D8? I, <laughs> I mean, oh, that's D- a stretch. Oh, eight? Okay. All right, well, I've got strong bench coverage, okay? <laughs> Clearly. Um, I, I quite disagree <laughs> in terms of I think he's better value than Miller and will score roughly the same, in which case I'd rather take him. I still think he can go between 90 and 95 and is a potential keeper, but I, I still don't think he's, you know, he, he's that cusp where, yeah, he, he might do enough, but is he actually going to be right up there with the top six? And I, I don't think so, and I'm not sure if it's worth starting him um, for that long-term potential of, like, you're going to lose points near the end of the season, especially in your Supercoach finals time um, if you're you're playing for leagues. Um he is good value, though. You can get this, a hot start by selecting somebody like him. Um, so really, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll watch him closely, but it'll depending on your play style. Um, another two players that are seemingly underpriced very quickly are Dylan Roberton and Pierce Hanley, both at 297k. Would you consider either of those players, JB? 
Yeah, and those were the next two I was actually going to move on to. So a good job by UPS still, but no, I, I honestly wouldn't. Robertson had that that injury last season that was a little bit mysterious. I know it was a, a bit of a heart problem, but to me, it's it's just not someone that I'd want to start in my squad and and be confident with at all going forward. I know he's averaged well in the past, but he wasn't even able to to string too many good scores together last season before the injury. So. He plays that, that second, third tool in that St. Kilda side, and although the ball will probably be down there very, very often, to, I just personally don't see him doing it up. I mean, it's different to Newman because he's obviously 100k cheaper, so even if he averages 80 for the first you know, five, six weeks, he's a very good stepping stone or cash cow. But personally, it's just not... It, I'm more concerned about the injury risk. And the same goes with Pierce Henley. He's played th- he played three games last year, and I don't even remember the last time he played five games in a year. So uh, that injury risk, I, it's just not what I'm trying to start in my team. And I mean, I'm even skeptical about Birchall when he's 100K even less than them for injury risk. So um, personally, Robertson, I would consider. Hanley is just not even near my consideration. Yeah, I mean, Hanley's injury risk is off the chain, so I don't know if you can really start him. Um, You'd have to be very, very ballsy. Um, Robertson, as you said, it's just about the role. We're not really sure if he's going to get a running back role. I doubt it now with a lot of those Saints midfield, Saints uh, halfbacks a bit more capable they didn't have when he you know, broke out uh, two years ago. And yeah, it's kind of like Miller again. I know I keep talking back to him, but we, same with Brody Smith back, you don't really quite know where he's going to play. So there's that, you know, just inherent risk about the unknown. And um, Brody Smith himself is at 332K. Um, he was the next one, yeah. <laughs> averaged 87.5 uh, from his two matches last year and also has good pedigree um, in terms of super coach points. But he, he doesn't go 95 plus. And I, obviously, you don't need him to. At 330K, he can be a cash cow um, or, you know, a mid pricer that you can then sell for a profit. I just don't know what role he's going to get. You, you, we assume he's going to be playing off the halfback, maybe off the wing as well, or you know, interchangeable, but we don't really know. And it's just a lot of money uh, when you're kind of unsure on the role, especially when you have, I know you can't really compare to other positions, but you have like Hanabry in the midfield at roughly the same price, and he, you, you know he's going to play in the midfield. Whereas we don't really know. We know Smith is going to score well but we don't know how well in what role as well because each role has different scoring capabilities and Birchall's just 130k cheaper than that so you know there's there's much less risk exactly right and you know when when I think about starting a player in my team I don't want to think about you know not being surprised by the fact that they're injured in round four for you know four or five weeks so uh, all those players that we've pretty much mentioned bar maybe Robertson uh, tick that box that if they were injured for a long term in round three or four I just I honestly wouldn't be surprised and it's unfortunate because a lot of them have that really good scoring pedigree especially Pierce Henley from his Brisbane days if people remember when he was a defender uh, back way back in the day his scoring capabilities were incredible but if he could play more than 20 games or more than 10 games in a season he'd be strongly considered but he, he just can't so it's it's just tough to consider them uh, I think that's it for me for the defenders that caught my eye. Um, I will say, though, we will be doing an extensive podcast for each position when it gets closer to the season. This is just our first sort of first little look at uh, everyone uh, on release date, pretty much. So, uh, Pistol, that's it for me for defenders. Uh, besides Harry Wig being the biggest lock in 2019, if he's looking like playing more than two games, 
What are your thoughts on that? Is that good for defense? Um, I think just a couple more that people might consider. Um, I think there's a couple people that could see Corey Ellis, uh, who moved to the Gold Coast from Richmond, as somebody that they might want to start yeah. at 233k. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I mean, I'm sure he's great guy but in terms of scoring potential he uses the ball so well he just doesn't get enough of it which really affects his scoring potential other than that um, I'm pretty high on both Tom Williamson and Sam Collins they're both 188k Um, they're pretty expensive but I also think that they'll be worth it so um, Sam Collins in particular um, I'm very high on so he's definitely going to be my round one side Uh, Williamson I think will be my round one side but we'll uh, see how they go during the JLT Yep, and they're they're two big names that uh, yeah yeah they're they're very very watch list uh, for the JLT series. So we will move on to the midfield and starting at the most expensive price, uh, the reigning Brownlow medalist, number one super coach scorer for 2019, Sean Higgins, uh, <laughs> averaged 130. No, why are you laughing? I mean, we can start with Higgins if you want. It'll just be a very long midfield section. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll start with Tom Mitchell, 700k, 130 average. Uh, I've put together a little bit of a midfield in my drafting that you know probably none of these players will make it to my round one team. But Tom Mitchell is not in it. I find 700k, especially when I mean we'll get to the rucks later and the forward line, especially when starting two other players around that price, just very difficult to fork up. Especially when McRae seems, funnily enough, um, maybe even a little underpriced. <laughs> well. I mean, it's not funny enough. He he did get injured halfway through a game last year, so he is a little bit underpriced. Um, I mean, the question I'm going to ask you is, Tom Mitchell going to get better? Like, he averaged 130. How much better can he go? Now they've got a better midfield around him. They're probably going to share the ball more, so he might get a couple more possessions. But, yeah, I don't really see him getting completely... You know, you're going to have to fork up at some stage, you know, 600K for a premium midfielder during the season and it's probably going to be Tom Mitchell but uh, you know unless you start him but is, is he going to get better I feel like McRae could get better than his current average of 127 he had those massive massive games um, so regularly that yeah I don't know what do, what do you think about it JB well yeah like I said I've not got Tom Mitchell on my team I do have Jack McRae when choosing between the two which a lot of people will be doing that season um, it'll, it might be make or break. Tom Mitchell is just an absolute captaincy lock every single week. He's just so guaranteed to go over 100. It's, it's not even funny anymore. He, he very, very rarely dips below 110. So he, he's got that going for him. But at the same time, you could you could say that about Grundy even or, or Dangerfield, and they, they're not even midfielders. So, it, you know, surrounding him, Surround your midfield with a bunch of premiums and, you know, Tom Mitchell might not have that important captaincy pool. And then you think maybe 700K and maybe I won't even captain him, you know, once a month. So it's just, it's very difficult to sort of weigh up. But in my personal opinion, Tom Mitchell is not in my current squad. Jack McCray is. And that 11K, I know it's not much, but, you know, <laughs> every little bit matters, Pistol. So oh. I think, I mean, I personally, I'd love to have both in my team, but Jack McCray... Just seems like the the like likelier player to, to squeeze in there. 
I mean, I've, I've got both in my first draft, but I don't feel happy about it. Um, mostly because Ooh, of the you whole... you got both them and Lloyd? What? Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, the the issue is I don't know about, you know, that whole defender rule. I might not need Mitchell. I have him for the captaincy. Obviously, with Grundy, they're a great duo. But, yeah, if, if Lloyd's going to average 150 points per game, then I, I don't need to spend 700k on Tom Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're probably right there. So we'll move on to the next midfielder. And um, actually, we'll, we'll sort of hit up a bracket here. We've got Patrick Cripps and Clayton Oliver, um, Nat Fife and Josh Kelly. So we'll hit those four real quickly. All stay at the current clubs. None, none of them have really had drastic change. Nat Fife uh, lost Lockie Neal. Obviously, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> they all average 100 or around 115. Who is the pick of the bunch out of these four? Because just like the McRae versus uh, Tom Mitchell, a lot of people are going to be pitting these four against each other, and they're all very, very good midfielders and, and very difficult to split. Yeah, this one's going to be very interesting in terms of, like, the super coach community because I feel like... If you look at it, most people are just going to pick Fife straight off the bat because they're like, yeah, okay, it's it's Fife. He's got potential average 130. His price is 113. You know, just give him to me now. Um, Neil's gone, so he's going to get more of the ball, which might be true. But at the same time, Shield's gone, and Josh Kelly is extremely capable as a footballer, and he could also go, you know, above 125. Uh, Clayton Oliver, funnily enough, is probably my least preferred out of the four of those options, which is crazy because he's also super consistent and plays 22 games and very rarely misses a game. And then you've got Cripps, who does have some injury risk, but also played 22 games last year. Obviously, Doherty's not there anymore. Um, And I feel like people that are picking Cripps are generally going to be massively biased Carlton supporters. And if you, in terms of super coach, people are going to pick McRae or Fife, maybe Kelly, and maybe some cheaper mids before Cripps, because they're going to say... Cripps is pretty much priced at his potential, but if you look at the back half of his year, he actually isn't Oof. priced at his potential. He, he could no, average no, over 130, um, in which case I, th- I still think Cripps is possibly a better pick than Fife, um, but he's not going to get a look in for the, because of that extra 30K. And I think among serious super coaches, he's going to be quite a unique pick. And uh, me personally, I keep on referencing my own team that, like I said, probably won't last. But I look at these four and straight away, my mind goes to the two players that have played 22 games last year. Look, the better players for in terms of injury risk. Nat Fife obviously hasn't strung together a full season in, in a little while and Josh Kelly had those groin issues. Um, but though I've locked in Patrick Cripps and Clayton Oliver. I think both uh, in terms of consistency and... Uh, being able to play 20-plus matches, I think they're absolutely the safest two out of those four. And then uh, I've overlooked Fife again and gone with Josh Kelly as my third one of those four. I don't know if I'll start three of them in that price bracket. It's all obviously up in the air. But if I was going to start three of them right now, those would be the three. Fife is just so difficult to trust after he's just gone year upon year of just not producing... Uh, a decent average for a five-game span. He seems to slump here and there and also seems to get injured here and there. It's just, I don't, he plays injured. He's got a good pain threshold, obviously, but he, he doesn't play as well as he should when he's not injured. And, you know, it's like, would you rather them just have a rest and a week off or would you rather them score between 90 and 105 for four weeks in a row sort of thing? So uh, it's very difficult with five. Obviously, he's got that 130-plus pedigree and, and potential, but... 
I just can't see myself siding with him over the young guns uh, just this year, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy, but I, I am loving the fact that our midfields are, like, entirely different, especially because my next two midfielders are Fife and Lockie Neal, and you've gone with, like, Cripps, Oliver, and Kelly, and I don't have any of them. <laughs> um, I just find it that Fife has that ceiling and that potential, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to play 22 games. And then I always tell myself, well, I guess that's what trades are for. Um, but I am second-guessing myself <laughs> just because, you know, it's got Ross the boss. They're probably not going to make finals, in which case, if there's a niggling injury, are they going to send him in for an early preseason, you know, surgery or whatever it is, give him time off? Or is he going to need to be the, you know, the leader um, now? Obviously, Lockie Neal's not there and it's going to have to stand up and play every single game. I'm not quite sure which way it's going to go. I'm, I think it's going to be the play-every-game type route, but also... It's just a complete guess. Like you don't really know. Um, it's difficult. It's I, if if he was going to play twenty two games, I would pick him. But the fact that it's yeah, possible same. he plays anywhere between like twelve and twenty two, um, uh, JB, that's what trades are for. Um, otherwise, Lockie Neal, um, I've been hot on him since a long time now. Uh, definitely before the team picker came out. Um, I think since the other the post-season podcast, uh, the lock-in Neil, if you remember correctly. Um, I do, yep. 112 average last year, plays every game. He just plays every single game, and he scores well every single game, which is just somebody that I want in my team. Beams is out. Lockie Neal is in. Uh, Brisbane are a team that are definitely on the rise. I think they're going to be big improvers this year, and he's going to help contribute to that, and he's going to score well just because that's what he does, and that's uh, someone that... Straight in my side. I think um, I've, I play around with enough uh, ifs and buts, but he's not one of them. Yep, and I tend to agree with everything you just said. I think Neil is just such a safe selection to go between 110 and 120 again. And uh, personally, uh, if you look at my team, I've gone for the players that can you know, go 130, but can also you know slump down a bit. Neil is just such a constant, such a good player and such a consistent player good player that you just absolutely know what you're going to get and you can you know lock him in for 22 games at 115 average most likely next year so you know there's not many players you can say that about and you just there's barely a bad word that can be said about locking you so uh, we'll move on to the next player and I think it's interesting to to see Elliot Yo in this line for 585k averaged 110 last year 22 games is really one of the if he's not the Eagles best player maybe Gaff is but to me I think he, he's probably their most important and maybe bar Nick Natanui but he, he just does a bit of everything whenever they need it and he's their contested ball Elliot Yo as a midfield only will get overlooked this year I almost guarantee he'll be in less than 8% of teams uh, is he someone that we should not maybe overlook I think he's a great pick um, I think also in that pre post release podcast ages ago um, I was also really hot on Elliot Eo I think I was he the guy I said to make sure you you slap me if I don't start him I think that was the quote um, please don't do that because I don't <laughs> think I'm going to start him but um, I think he will right. average above 110 next year um, look West Coast Eels are good Yo is good they're just good and there's no reason for him to suddenly drop off and you know average 95 or like 105 it's just going to be a good pick um, kind of like Lockie Neal, but in a completely different circumstance. 
Um, so not he's going to be unique as well. I just think he's a really solid pick. Um, JB, jumping down a little into a slightly cheaper price bracket, you've got Bont at 564 and Dusty at 563, um, as well as Higgins at 560. And we may as well throw in... We may as well throw in Dane Beebs at 557, all within 7k of each other. Uh, if you had to pick one of them, uh, who would you pick and why? This is difficult. Uh, personally, I don't have much trust for Bont. Uh, I think the way that, they, that his coach plays him, he goes forward a lot and doesn't score great as a forward. Uh, he's great when he's influencing games in the middle. But he's such a good forward at the same time in AFL terms, not necessarily super coach terms, that he he just gets played there so often. So personally, I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged sub 110 again uh, this year. So I know he's young and improving, but for me, he's just got too much risk. Uh, Higgins, I think, had the perfect season, perfect storm of a season last year where he was just able to be the absolute be-all and end-all for that midfield. Uh, score his 120s um, and when he was on North were on this year with Polek coming in and a few other recruits like you know the heavy hitting Jasper Pittard uh, <laughs> for me I don't think Higgins will have a good year it wouldn't shock me to see him go down to the 90 average uh, mark and, and have just a few more a few more games where he doesn't have to do as much and he sits forward a bit more uh, but Dustin Martin and Dane Beams the way to split them is essentially by saying Dane Beams rarely plays more than 20 games, although he did last year here. Um, for me, his injury risk would just make him very, very tough to pick over someone like Dustin Martin, who also has the same scoring pedigree as him. And Dustin, you know, it'd be it'd be surprising to not see Martin bounce back from that last season where he was a little bit down on form and, and just go 110 again. And he's priced... Well below that, and for me, 22 games at 110 to 115 average would not be surprising at all. Dane Beams, unfortunately, you know he can go 110, 115 average, but more likely to get those, you know, 15 to 18 games. I see a lot of teams with Dusty in them, and and I get why. Like I understand why you would pick Dusty, but I have to ask you a question, and it's, I know they have Lynch, and he doesn't need to play forward anymore. But when they're winning every game by 10 goals, because Richmond are actually, believe it or not, still the best team in the AFL. I know they didn't win the flag, but as a Collingwood sport, I'm going to happily say Richmond is still the best team in the AFL. Will he have to play in the midfield? Like, in my mind, I just say, yes, he doesn't He doesn't need to play. Like, he, he can play in the midfield because their forward line is fine and complete. But, like, will he? Not necessarily. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. Um, I think they'll still rest him forward because they're winning by 10 goals. They're just going to still just chuck Dusty um, deep in the forward line because why not? You're already winning by 10 goals. You don't want to you know, injure your star player. I know he came to life in the finals um, and he played in the midfield like the entire game, but he'll do that next year in the finals as well because he'll be fresh because the entire season he's been resting. Um, and I don't know if because of that he's going to be a really good pick and you know, average 115 plus because he does get more midfield time, or he's just going to average the same that he averaged this year because they don't need to play him. They're not desperate to play him in the midfield. Um, and I feel like that goes for um, players like Bont as well and Fife. Like Bont, if he was guaranteed to play in the midfield every game, um, I know it's different because Bulldogs are not nearly as good as Richmond. But like, if they're not guaranteed to play in that position, 
I just can't select them because it's way too much. It's just way too high risk, high reward. Like Fife isn't going to be playing as a forward next year. They, they can't afford it. Like Neil is gone. Fife's going to be in the midfield and Fife's going to do well. Dusty, you can't say he's going to be in the midfield, in which case for me, it's just, it's not quite there. Although like I definitely can see why you'd pick him. I just feel like at that price point, there's going to be somebody that goes 110 plus. And I feel like it's more likely to be someone like a Matt Crouch or a Zach Merritt, who's like 20k <laughs> cheaper. This is crazy. I before you asked about Bontempelli and all that, I'd scrolled down to that exact uh, quad of players, and now while you've been talking, I've scrolled down to the the Matt Crouch and Zach Merritt. So we are we are hitting up the exact uh, points without even discussing it. Uh, and you're right; those two players both averaging pretty much 100 on the dot both started in a lot of teams last season uh, it's hard to really say what went wrong besides Zach Merritt getting tagged and Crouch getting injured a few times but both of them could definitely go 110 plus and I'll let you finish what you started as well so go go on <laughs> yeah I just feel like if you're going to pick players from this price point like generally the cheaper is better when they have similar potential and I just feel like Matt Crouch could go you know, 115 plus even. And Zach Merritt could definitely go that, especially with Shield there probably copping the tag. So I feel like if you're going to take a punt anyway, um, these players are the ones to pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if every team has at least one player in this price point, just because they're, you know, 100k cheaper than Crips. And that's a, that's a lot of cash to save. Um, and yeah, if I'm, I'm picking someone in that bracket, I'm picking Matt Crouch or Zach Merritt over somebody like Dusty. Well, maybe we should go a bracket lower and look at Dane Zorko. 520k, played all the matches last year, eventually got through that tag. He was averaging 60 by the buy almost, ended up averaging 95. And, you know, someone that definitely has that potential with Lockie Neal coming in, maybe attracting the attention that Zorko was attracting. Maybe they get better and win a a few (laughs) extra games. I mean, I know Neal won't get the tag over Zorko because we all know Zorko can be tagged, but... It didn't seem to affect him in the second half of the season last season. So, is there the potential that he goes one ten and you know he's priced at five hundred and twenty k? That is very very cheap. There is, and there is also a possibility that he starts with a six game average of forty, like last year. So, <laughs> do you really want to start off your super coach year like that? I mean, not really. I, if I'd rather pay the 25k more and, and hope for a Matt Crouch um, or a Zach Merritt. I know Zach Merritt didn't do much better, but it was still better um, than how Zorko started. But you're right, he can be value. I just oh, There's just other options that I, I think I would prefer. Um, but definitely, I'm not against... Uh, as, if I see someone send me a team and Zorko's in it, I will not ever suggest that you change him. Like I'm completely content with that as a pick that is completely uh, possible to go very, very well for you. (laughs) And the next player, Aaron Hall, uh, we see in in a lot of early drafts as well. 389k. We know he's got the the potential to go over 90. Only played six matches, going to a new team, maybe with a new outlook, a new new me type uh, type situation for Aaron Hall. The potential to go 90 plus is, is a drawing in factor for people, but... In my opinion, you just—he's one of those players that you might just be stuck with at you know, 450k or four 500k. Just you know, getting 91 one week and then 75 the next week, and 
you know, like a player that you just, you can't find that extra 100K to just upgrade into an Uber premium. And at the same time, you can't cash him all the way down. So, you know, like just one of those real annoying players that that just feels like Aaron Hall. And especially when Hanabry's around the same price, for me, I, I just can't really justify starting Aaron Hall on my team. Oh, there's so many players around, you know, within 100K of this price point that I would rather than Aaron Hall, JB. But, oh man, there is so many players to talk about. Um, I will agree with everything you say on Hall. Um, I like you can start him. There's definitely potential for him to go 100, but also potential for him to just be a massive flop. I guess no one's guaranteed at that price point, but I think some have still the same ceiling um, and floor, but a higher chance of success, uh, perhaps. Um, a little bit cheaper. Don't forget, there's Brad Crouch. He's 418k. Um, I'm going to ask kind of a cheeky one, even though I probably know the answer. But now that Wingard's gone, Tom Rockliffe, 400k? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, All right. No, nah, I mean, even, even when he played heavy midfield minutes, he just did not look like the extractor that he did at Brisbane. And, uh, I mean, him going 100-plus is as unlikely to me as McRae going sub-100. So... I just yeah, there's nothing that would make me start him at 400k. Maybe oh. if he was, you know, 87k, maybe, but no, nah, not right. 400. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I just had to sneak that one in. Um, the players I would love to kind of discuss in a bit more detail. Um, three of them in a row: Anthony Miles, 342k; Tom Scully, 335k; and Hanbury, 326k. Um, are any of these, or all of these, in in fact, are viable options? I think I think Miles is viable for the fact that he he just scores points when he wants to. He when he plays games, he scores points. It's that simple. Uh, he he might not do it in a pretty fashion. He might not you know kick stunning goals or you know get get very uh, you know he's just a player that just scores points in SuperCoach. It, it's crazy how he does it. But he's very reliable for a 90-plus score pretty much whenever he steps onto the field. Playing for Gold Coast, uh, there's every potential that he averages 85, 90-plus. But for me, uh, he's just far too risky in the fact that he could also average 70 and play 10 games because for some reason they Michael Barlow him and and just don't feel like playing him ever again. So uh, he he does have a big risk factor as well. Hanabry is obviously the the fall from Uber premium to someone that we're not even considering at 300k or not not considering. Obviously, that's what we're talking about him, but um, someone that isn't locked into our squads at 300k. But he probably has the most potential for me. And um, I've almost... Who was the third name? (laughs) Tom Scully. Yeah, no, I'm not considering Tom Scully. I mean, Tom Scully's got a great history of scoring above 90+. Plus and I'm he's... not considering Tom Scully. <laughs> but why aren't that you That ankle considering... injury might not even see him play round one. That's true. That's, uh, that's, that's a pretty good reason not to start somebody if they're not playing round one. Um, <laughs> look, Anthony Miles at the moment is right in my team. I, I think I'm Ooh. biased, though, because I love Anthony Miles and, and pretty much yeah, yeah I always talk about Anthony Miles but I feel like Hanabry could go between 60 and 110 and Anthony Miles is going to go between 85 and 95 and at 340k like sometimes you just have 350k to spend on that last point and you're like do I get a do I get a, a rookie and then try and upgrade some premiums 
And this is one of those times where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to pick Anthony Miles. He just costs that much. Um, and that's how much money I have left in my team. And he's going to be okay. Like, he's he's not going to set the world on fire, but he's going to do enough. I hope you start the season with him. I really do want to start the season. I, I feel like I'm going to get a quick 100K out of him as a cash cow, some decent points. Um, and I just like him. So usually I don't pick players because I like them, but I just like him. So let me have this one, JB. Um, okay, well, so you I'm can have it. I'm going to pick him over <laughs> Oh lordy lord! Okay, I I really hope this this goes on for the whole preseason and he has a ripping JLT and then Gold Coast Barlow him and he doesn't play for the rest of the season. But no, uh, we, we, we do have to move on. <laughs> we do have to move on. Uh, we are getting a bit tight for time here. Oh. Uh, Tom Liberatore uh, scored thirteen in his one match uh, for the season. Obviously, did that injury again. Three hundred k. Is he in your considerations? He's obviously another player who can go eighty plus. But uh, not someone that I think is a guarantee to do that. Um, I think he has and to very be considered. Injury prone. Like he he's gone above a hundred before. So if you see him in the JLT, like right in the guts, tackling ten tackles, you know, a game that he did in his primo year, uh, you you have to consider him, especially if he's tackling that much. Like you, you'll be able to tell in the JLT if he's getting ten tackles. Well, he's going to be scoring all his points from tackles anyway. So I feel like. Tom Liberatore is somebody that you should um, at least put on your watch list for the JLT because at 300k could be a complete bargain. Yeah, I definitely agree. If I think that, like you said, that tackling is the strong point. If he's got that tenacity and drive that he had a few years ago when he averaged 110 as an Uber premium, I had him in my team that year as well. I, I have a lot of love for Tom Liberatore. <laughs> but uh, if, he, if he shows that in the JLT, then 300k, that's... You know that's not a huge investment, and you know if you if you get called called off on uh, Anthony Miles and decide to go somewhere cheaper, then uh, Tom Liberatore definitely an option. So I think we can move into Ruckman now. Um, we're like I said, we're going to have more extensive podcast position by position. This is uh, our first look, and we are going on a decent time at the moment. So we'll jump straight into it. Brody Grundy or Max Gorn? A lot of people. I've already ruled out Max Gorn and just absolutely locked in Brody Grundy. I'm one of those people. I think Grundy is just an absolute must-start in your team. Uh, if I see a team without Grundy and you know maybe maybe they've distributed that 700k well, but it just doesn't look right to me. I think he's an absolute lock for the season. I mean, it's hard to argue, but I will try. So hear me out. <laughs> no, I, I do love Grundy, and he averaged 130. He's got that ruck rule that's just been changed where he can grab it out of the ruck, which he loves to do anyway. And I really think that he is a lock, and he's got played so many early games. So it's a great VC. There's just so much, uh, so many good things going for him that I really do think he is a lock. Obviously, Gorn's got that Perfect. Bruce uh, comparison, but I will try and talk you out of starting him. Um, it probably won't work, but hear me out. Um, I think for the players that have been playing Supercoach for a while, you might remember when Wits was priced at, I think it was 218k or 217k to start the season. Number one ruck, um, and we said at the time, ruckmen that are number one rucks with minimal competition or no competition just generally score well. Um, It's just a position that scores well, particularly this year when they can grab it out of the ruck as well and they can get some um, extra possessions. Now, as Ruck score well, when there is somebody that is available as a number one Ruck that is in the 200Ks, you do need to strongly consider them. 
Now I'm looking down here and I see Sam Naismith at 251k, most likely the starting ruck for Sydney. I imagine Sinclair plays forward. Um, they kept Naismith over Nank for a reason. Naismith is a really good player. Um, you know, I've watched him play a lot and he's just really solid. And I can see him being um, just you know definitely going at least 80 plus this year. And he's only priced at 251k. But now you've also got somebody like Billy Longer. I know he's not the greatest ruckman, but hear me out. Who? Billy Longer, 260K. In the last seven weeks of the year, he averaged 99 super coach points. I'm not saying he's going to average 99 for the entire season, but if he could average another 80 plus um, and get you until the buys, you've got two players priced in the mid 200Ks that are going to go 80 plus. You can't find that value anywhere else on any other line. In Supercoach, and if you're building your team to get the most amount of points out of your side every round, and you're picking the best value players, you're going to pick two cheap number one rucks. Um, and I think that would be the pitch I would go with to try and convince people not to necessarily start Grundy. Although I'm going to take it back because I just think Grundy is definitely going to go 130 plus. I've probably jinxed it, but with those rules and the VC, it's hard longer, not to start him. Longer just will not go 70 plus. I, just, I can tell you right now. Any any number one ruck, it's so rare for a number one ruck to average less than 80. Like It just so rarely happens. You can go through the data, you can look through it, or you can just trust that I've actually already done that. Um, and it so rarely happens. Like Especially now, I should say, if, you, if we look at the new rule that's going to increase um, Ruckman's scoring potential, but even if it's by a little bit, um, they're just going to make you cash. So, yeah. I, I mean, I am still starting Grundy at this stage. I do have a cheap Ruckman in R2, but it's not out of the realms of possibility that if you could chuck a longer on your, your R3, I don't know, maybe you want to go with Longer, Naismith, and Mumford as like a, a three-ruck combo and get whoa, ultimate whoa, value. Whoa. Wait, is this uh, how you are able to afford all these 600k players? You've got three <laughs> Ruckman at like 105k. <laughs> what is going on here? No, I actually uh, just have John Sweet on the bench, you know, 102k. So <laughs> I haven't even forked out for Mumford at this stage. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, <clears throat> we'll talk about Mumford strategies and uh, potential R3s in a, in a more Ruck-guided uh, podcast. We'll move on to the forward line now. And uh, and try and dissect this in a in a timely manner as well. We don't want to hold people up for you know four and a half hours. But when we look into the forward line, there's one thing I see, and that's Patrick Dangerfield. He's obviously, I mean, no one can talk me out of this. He started the season last year injured. He missed the first round. Played the the other 21 games after that played enough forward line to actually be classed as a forward, still averaged 121. If he plays 5% more midfield time, he'll go 125. If he plays 10% more midfield time, he'll go 130. Like, this guy can just score as he pleases. And if he goes below 120 this year, I'll not only be shocked, but I'll also still see him as the number one forward. So he's 100% worth that price and absolutely locked into mine and probably 80% of Supercoach's teams. Pistol, are you part of that 80% or are you going to try and talk me out of Patrick Dangerfield? All right, hear me out, JB. <laughs> hear me out. I like to make people think a little bit outside of the box. I guess there's a 
kind of a, a herd mentality, um, especially on you know the Twitter and <laughs> the Twitter, um, all of <laughs> the uh, the internets. They they definitely pick certain players and they say you know this person's a lock and then they stop people from thinking from you know outside the box picks. That's why I like to talk about uh, the longers and the Naismiths. So Smiths. concerned right now. Now Dangerfield is just somebody that I cannot see a single reason why you wouldn't start him. It's just, it's not a herd mentality. It's just a given that at 660K, I know it's expensive. It's really, really expensive. But there's no way he doesn't finish as a number one forward. Like, there is no chance. And not only that, at some stage, Dangerfield will be over 700K because that's what he does. He goes up in price because he has these massive games in a row. And yes, he might drop to... 560k which is still so much money to try and build up throughout the season to buy a forward at 560k I don't think I paid 560k for a single forward last year Um, just do yourself a favor help you with the trades throughout the year and just start Dangerfield agreed now (laughs) now that we've got that out of the way the uh, in my personal opinion every other forward that averaged 100 plus is a little shaky for their own reasons. And the only player I can really give an exception to is Menegolo because the year before he averaged 100 and I said I'll be surprised if he finds his way back into the top eight because you know he's not going to be in that midfield as much. They got Gary Ablett. And here he is, played 22 games, averaged 100 on the dot uh, and seems to just be consistently averaging 100 on the dot. So uh, of all the players in that top five, Sam Menegolo seems to actually be the safest. And, you know, I don't mind him as a pick, but it would be very hard to find the cash. And the the thing that makes it worse is, is you got cheaper players like Devin Smith and cheaper players like Isaac Heaney and, and Robbie Gray who... You know, although they went sub ton last year, have the absolute potential to go 105 plus. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I, but it's like the same as last year, where everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, you can't do it again." Um, exactly. So yeah, that, and that's that's why I started off by saying that, like, uh, he, 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 he probably <laughs> will just average 100 again. <laughs> like, he, he, they've got Dalhouse, but I, I think Dalhouse will still play more as a forward. Like, and the goal is probably going to average 100. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. Devin Smith had a big end to the year. Um, and I still think that he will probably be um, in the top three forwards um, of next season. Um, Robbie Gray, does he just jump in um, in that midfield? So obviously when Wingard played more midfield, Robbie Gray played more forward, and it kind of killed him off at the end of the year. Before that, he was averaging like 110 when he was playing in the midfield. Do you see him going back into that role, JB? It's very unpredictable at this point because... Uh, with our with our structure and, and the way that we move players around, I don't I don't know what it is, but it seems like everything we ever do is to just get Robbie Gray forward, and it <laughs> confuses me as he he's our best clearance player, he's easily our most talented midfielder, and it's not even close. But it just seems like whatever we do, whatever players we recruit, whatever selection changes we make, whatever team that we're up against. We just try to do everything in our power to get Robbie Gray up forward. And I've got no reason to believe that he'll play more midfield time this year. And although Chad Wingard's gone, I just don't trust Port Adelaide to, to put him in that midfield slot. And I find it very difficult to justify starting him over someone like Isaac Heaney this year. No, well, there we go. I uh, I don't really know who you're going to put in your midfield. I think he's 
going to have to play in the midfield if you're going to want to win games. So, um, yeah, I'm on the fence. I do think there's still good forward options. Um, I'm not sure who they are, but uh, I'm sure we'll find them. But, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm so on the fence about Robbie Gray, but I definitely see Merritt in, in the pick. Obviously, he can go 110. Yeah. He's going to play there the whole year in the midfield. Of course. Um, yeah, he's obviously got that potential and pedigree. Um, I think we should talk about a couple of Bulldogs next, Pistol. A few Bulldogs, maybe. Yes, even. Well, go. <laughs> go, go. Do your thing. Uh, Dunkley, McLean, and Mitch Wallace. I think uh, McLean and Dunkley are probably in a class above Mitch Wallace. Uh, they don't cost that much more, only, you know, 20K more. Um, Dunkley averaged, what was it, like 120 after the buy or something silly. Um, McLean went the opposite direction. But McLean, before the buy, was averaging 110. It was just he hurt his shoulder right before the buy, and then all of his tackling numbers dropped off. Um, and he just never got back into it for the rest of the season. Uh, Dunkley kind of did the opposite. They played him deep, deep forward, um, and then he stormed home in the midfield at the end of the year. The problem is I don't really know when Libba's back. I don't know what Bevo's going to do. Um, obviously, Dalhouse is gone, but he didn't get that much midfield time in the first place. Um, but, yeah, I like the upside. Obviously, any player that goes 120, you need to stand up and take a look at and Dunkley is somebody that you've got to be like okay well if you average 120 in your back half of the year you've got to strongly strongly consider it but I don't think it's a guarantee um, that he plays in the like as a pure midfielder uh, going into the year it might sound crazy but I still think if they're going to win, win games I know Bont's a good forward but you're going to want Bont in the midfield he's so damaging and Libba I feel like you're going to want Libba in the midfield as well and you're going to want McRae in the midfield I don't know it's uh, it's a bit tough there JB which one would you go for? Yeah, I find uh, having had access to the team picker and the the Bryce Mitchell created team picker for a little while now, I find this F three slot one of the hardest on in the team at the moment. And choosing between those two bulldogs, I like them both. I started Toby McLean last year, and the product was you know great for me. He was very underpriced last year. Josh Dunkley, I would love to start this year as well. I think he's he definitely has potential to go one hundred five as a forward, which is Amazing, you can't say that about too many of the actual forwards, but his potential to also go 85, sort of 80-ish if he plays predominantly forward with Libra coming in is also very concerning. And the thing with Liberatore is he's such a good midfielder and such a good uh, extractor and tackler, as we mentioned earlier, that and, and he, he just doesn't play that well forward. So it's tough to say... All right, Josh Dunkley, Libertore in the same team, they can just you know come back and forth forward because Lib is not really that good of a forward. I know he's gone up there for stints, and I remember him kicking bags of goals previously. And you know he can have his lucky days where he's just marking everything and kicking goals, but he's not a forward. He's definitely an inside midfielder, and you know Dunkley is actually a capable forward, which is you know why he played more than thirty three percent of time in the forward line and is is listed as so in Super Coach. So. I find it tough to start either of these two, but at the same time, I, I kind of want to start them both. Like, it's, it's just very <laughs> difficult. They both look very enticing. I think they can both average 100 plus. I think they're also both very risky because I don't know what the hell the Bulldogs even are. So it's it's tough, that slot. It's very tough. I've, I've found it difficult to feel so far. I feel like it's going to be a JLT wait and see, but I'm leaning towards yeah. maybe neither. Um, JB... 
In the price bracket a tiny bit below, you've got Wingard at 481k, Acres at 480k, Walters at 477, and Dugowie at the same price. Uh, if you had to pick one of those four players, who would you go for? Ooh, probably none of them. But if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd find it absolutely impossible to start Chad Wingard. I know Hawthorne have a very, very capable and very strong forward line. And so you, you can't, you know, straight off just assume that he's going to, you know, play 55% forward and they're going to use him sparingly as a midfielder. There's every chance he's predominantly a midfielder in that side. But I just, we just have absolutely no clue until we see it round one. And I don't trust what they're doing J, JLC either. So starting Wingard, I think, would be very difficult. Um, Akers has a lot of potential, but I just cannot see a St. Kilda player averaging 100 probably for the next decade. So <laughs> it's a no for me on him. Uh, Walters, without Lockie Neal, uh, <clears throat> may see more midfield time, but we thought that the year before as well, and he was uh, fought a lot as well. Made made so many silly errors and mistakes, costing him a, a lot of good supercoach scores, costing him a couple of weeks out of the game as well. Um, but I think uh, between him and Dugowie, it's it's very difficult because... We know that clubs prefer them as a forward, but when they do play in the midfield, they, they score really well. So I think Walters would be my pick out of the four. That's very wow. difficult, though. I don't think I like any of the four, to be honest. Like I just genuinely don't like any of the four. But if I were to pick any of them, I suppose Walters may be in line for more midfield time and, and has the most potential in my eyes to go 90 plus but then again so does the guy i just i hate that question that you asked me and i hope you never <laughs> ask it of me again um well i mean there's no spot in the midfield for to at the moment with the stacked collingwood midfield so for me i think that kind of rules out to um i somewhat agree with walters blake blakers i definitely can't see me starting a saints midfielder go like 100 plus doubt it um besides you know ross and steel well we're going to expect hannabry to improve we're going to expect all these players to improve and acres as well like and they're probably going to come last so i just don't see that happening um wingard though jb i feel like he's going to play as a midfielder they've got titch they've got jaeger shields is there as well and smith is more of a wing but i feel like you could put wingard comfortably in the top three mids at Hawthorne. Um, and I'm not sure you could even say that as a forward, which sounds crazy. But if you've got Bruce and you've got Gunston, like, that's sure. I mean, Wingard's probably is the next best. But, you know, Puapolo's all right. Um, I feel like they don't need another, like, half-forward midfield-type player. I feel like Wingard could just slot straight in that midfield. Um, and he came home last year so strongly, obviously, you know, averaged 100 after the bye. Um, and at Hawthorne, I feel like this is a good fit for him. And he's somebody I will definitely watch closely, JLT. And if he's lining up at those center bounces, I think he's going to be a really, really good value F3. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, but I think it's just... Like I said, their, their team is so good and, and most of their players can play dual positions and as can Wingard. So it's I think it's just tough to start someone like that. I mean, 
of the four, Wingard's definitely the most likely to end up in my team, I think. But, I, yeah, of the four, I think he's the least likely that I'd start, strangely enough. So, <laughs> it's, I'm so it's confused. <laughs> I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, you know, he, he could come out and, you know, just average 70 to 80 in that forward line and, you know, Hawthorne just tick along and, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm being port biased and I just hate him, okay? Is, is that what you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Let's I'm, move you, on could to Jack said, you could have said Warfel or something and said like, oh, he's going to play in the midfield and then I would have been like, well, you're going to play him over Wingard? I don't know. It's tough. Um, besides, I don't really even want to talk about Jack Billings. I'm just very uh, offended. I'm very offended. Um, <laughs> he's 437 KJB. That's not even that cheap. Like... He's not. No, he's not. not. He's not. He's not like Hanbury three hundred twenty k. Like he's four hundred thirty k, and he's not that good, and he's not that cheap. So why we're picking him so that he averages like definitely averages ninety plus. Even you'd want him to go ninety five plus, and that's Billings. Like the guy killed our seasons, um, and he's not even guaranteed to play in the midfield. Light frame. Uh, he's got Hanbury. Like, they added midfielders, and now they're going to play him in the midfield. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it's, it's a big, strong no on the Billings front. Um, let's quickly well, jump down. seasons. Yes. Are we talking about Toby it. Green next? No, we weren't. Okay, we'll so go, we're, go we're we're with that man. Um, I've seen Rory Lobb in a couple of teams. I think it might be Ugh. just because of that DPP. Obviously, this ruck rule is going to help out ruckman. The only problem is... Lob's not going to play as a number one ruck, I would say. I think it's Sandilands and then um, be Sean Darcy. So that rule's not really going to help Lob that much. And I know he averaged 75 and is a great ruck, blah, blah, blah. But he's going to be playing as a forward in the Fremantle forward line where the ball isn't going to be. So that's just a lot of money to spend on somebody with pretty limited upside in my opinion so uh yeah it's a hard stay away from me at 411k again if you're going to go if you're picking somebody like this just because of the dpp just spend the 100k and put naismith as your r3 like if you're that desperate for rock cover like you you may as well because there's you're going to get make money out of it as well so um yeah i guess just consider that if you're desperate for ruck cover. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I categorically hate Lob as a super coach option, and he will never ever be a feature in any one of my teams ever. Well, that was really passionate for someone that's probably undeserving of such hatred. Ever. Okay. Well, Toby Green, 354k. Uh, there's not much really to say. It's is he going to be an idiot? Is he going to get injured, or is he not? And if he's not going to do that, then he's probably going to average 90. So. Or over. I think he's impossible to start, though. Oh, really? Because he's in my starting team at the moment. Well, you're in strife. Um, Am I? <laughs> I mean, he, he's just... Even when he did come back, he just didn't score that well. And although he might have been playing a little bit injured, I just... I don't know. I, yeah, I just... I don't know. And I think the, the biggest problem with Toby is that he could miss early games. Uh, he could, you know, he could come out and score 60 in back-to-back weeks and, you know, already stuff you up and put you behind the queue. He's just such an unknown commodity and he would have to do something special in the JLT to wow me into picking him because at this moment, I can't see myself going near him. Yeah, look, I think I want to pick him, but I mean, the early fixtures as well, 
are not kind to GWS. I mean, yeah, they've got Bombers, then they've got West Coast, then they've got Richmond. Um, that's that's a tough three games, and they've got Geelong. Like, uh, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, that's a, that's a hard first ideal. four weeks uh, for GWS. So I want to pick him. I really do. Um, I don't know if I'll go in. I don't know if I'll stick with it. Uh, yeah, let's let's see how we go with that one. Uh, who are you thinking next, JB? Uh, honestly, I'm scrolling through here and trying to find the next talking point, and I'm not seeing a whole lot. So I, th- I think we're getting close to just the rookie price players. No, you've missed Danaher. Come on. Ah, uh, Joey. I, I, and I've just gotten to him as well. Wow, you're slow yeah, at so scrolling. <laughs> Joe, Joe Dan- oh, I'll tell you what, this laptop, I'm trying to use the thumb pad, but at the same time, sometimes it speed scrolls and I have to scroll back up and it's, it's honestly giving me nightmares. But <laughs> Joe Danaher uh, is a player that has the absolute potential to average 85 or 90. Um, I like how I said all 90. 85 to 90. Um I don't think he's got the potential to be a keeper in our squad. Uh, he's he's just that inconsistent tall forward that we don't want to hold on to. But the fact that we're talking about the the potential of him averaging 85 or more, and he's at 277k, he is extremely enticing. And I think uh, with even a subpar JLT, you know, a, f- a few goals, a couple of goals here, a few goals there, I think he'll find himself in a lot of teams next year as, as a, just a cash-generating cow. Yeah, look, those key forwards that have a really high variance generally make decent cash cows just because they need one game where they go bonkers and they're going to make you a lot of money really quickly. And he's only at 277k. So if you want to get to that, you know, magical uh, as we acceptable uh, cash that you acquire from a from a player, if if you want to get 150k out of him, for him to get to 420k, that's only going to take like two good games in a row. Um, at his price so I feel like it's definitely worth considering um, starting him I can it just depends which Joey we get like if we're going to get the guy that looked like he was going to like be one of the best players in the AFL or the next best key forward then obviously you got to start him but if not it's, it's a risk let's wait and see as we've been saying for most of these players but for me at the moment he's in my side um, I just really like I really like the fact that you can get him at 277k, and I think he'll make a quick buck and obviously good job security and all that. So, um, yeah, we can talk about that close to the season. Jamie, what do you think of Jamie Elliott at 280k? Apparently, you don't think much about Jamie Elliott, given that you have not responded. So I assume I'm, you're you're not there anymore. So I'm just going to go on a rant about Jamie Elliott in a moment. Okay, well, a little, little, little. My, my mic was muted. But my response was also deserving of your response to me because I did say uh, I don't think I'd ever spend 280k for Jamie Elliott. And then you said, oh, it doesn't look like you think much of Jamie Elliott. So I didn't actually know that my mic was muted until (laughs) you said another few words after that. So (laughs) you're on the right track. (laughs) And I'm not editing that out because that worked way too perfectly uh, to to kick out of the podcast. But 280k for someone who has struggled to play a single game in the last decade just... For me, Danaher at almost the same price just seems like... I mean, do we want to start three, four, five, six of these players? You know, you got Birchall. you got you know, the number one pick, Sam Walsh, maybe consider him. you got Jamie Elliott. you got 
Danaher, you got, you know, with you talk about starting one of Hanbury or Miles. Like how many of these players can we possibly fit into our team? It's something's got to give, and Elliot with the potential of playing one game or two games for the whole season or three or four or five, whatever he may actually put out, he's always got that potential of playing one to zero. So for me, it's just, unless he's rookie price, he's just unfortunately not in my team for that money. I really hope someone does make a team where they just pick like every single decent mid price <laughs> yeah. and then the rest of Sounds like primos. you've got one of those. Yeah, well, no, not, not quite, but uh, I've only got, what have I got, four? No, three mid-prices in my team. Only three. That's, oh. that's not too bad. Um, does that include Naismith? Yes. Yes, it does. Oh, okay. so, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, I just feel like it's not, it's not... I've heard worse things than starting Jamie Elliott. Obviously, Collingwood's going to be good. Um, we're going to get the ball into our forward line often. I don't really think he's going to go anything special. Like, he might go 80 I don't think it's enough, really, to make money. I mean, as I said, it takes two good games in a row for him to make the money, but I just feel like it's safer off getting down to her. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. We'll just uh, probably leave it there. That probably wasn't very helpful, so you guys are welcome. <laughs> that did nothing for anyone. No. <laughs> Incredibly unhelpful. I think we've hit that part of the podcast where uh, our brains are just getting a little fried, so I think we should call it an episode, Pistol. What do you think? Um, I just think before we go, we should run through our uh, captaincy options. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, well, I'll be, I'll be definitely captaining Brody Grundy. And captaining? Probably would, would have the vice captain? captain on Birchall. 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 Well, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense because uh, Colin would play in the second game of the round, so I, I don't know why he'd be a uh, captain in oh, Grundy. Man. Wouldn't You've you put your vice on up. him? Oh, no. Community, this is what sort of quality you'll get in the Slack chat. You'll have Pistol actually looking at fixture runs in December before Christmas. I, I will. And actually <laughs> considering vice captaincies. And making a spreadsheet to uh, work out the you know clear runs of games where you should target uh, specific players. Uh, that's something that you could definitely look forward to uh, in our Slack chat. Definitely. So... Uh, we'll actually back onto the Patreon real quick. We'll definitely link it up uh, on the podcast. It, it should be set up by then. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I don't think we need to reiterate anything. I think we covered it well at the beginning. And uh, just to finish off, a huge thank you to anyone who has donated for the team picker. The uh, the version two uh, by the time this podcast comes out, like I said, will probably already be out. We'll be emailing through the copies uh, of the version two to everyone who's already donated. And if you haven't already, the link will be in the the comment section of the Facebook page. And uh, don't forget Twitter. I'll chuck it in the Twitter one as well. So uh, just a huge thank you. Over four figures, a thousand dollars for this team picker so far. All to charity. Just like I said at the beginning, something that we're very passionate about and. I think you and I, Pistol, uh, Chizo as well, and Bryce, I think more than anyone, are just it's so blown away by the generosity of our community, throwing in $20 donations, $10 donations, when we said anything uh, anything around the $2 mark is, is exceptional. And yeah, I, I'm not sure we can possibly thank them enough, Pistol. No, you've said it said it really well. Uh, obviously, the Cancer Council is very appreciative of uh, all the hard work that uh, we've all done as a community to raise the money together. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for the Donate for Donuts throughout the season as well. Obviously, that's where if you cop a donut, you pledge a certain amount to charity, and that's obviously going to be going uh, 
forward forever. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a big preseason coverage of uh, all the players and Supercoach. And the new taxes that we'll be agreeing to in the preseason as well. That, that will be interesting as well. <laughs> all right, looking forward to it, JB. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for having us community. <laughs>